This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome everyone to Sage Advice with Sin Sage, me your host. And today I have the incredible guest, Chelsea Poe. How are you, Chelsea? I'm doing really great. How are you doing? I'm so excited to come on your podcast. So happy to have you on my podcast. Um, of course, I was on yours at some point last year. I think it was last January. Yeah, you were on twice. And now I don't have any responsibilities to do anything. So it's great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It may, it's like it's definitely easier to be the guest. Yeah, and you're just like, <laughs> oh, I don't have to do anything. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> totally understandable. So Chelsea, for my listeners who might not know about you, uh, how would you sort of just describe yourself, what you do? Yeah, I'm a porn performer, if you didn't guess. Sin and I have performed together a lot of times now, I would say five or six, something like that. Yeah, at least, yeah. Yeah, I'm a trans femme. I moved to the Bay Area about 10 years ago now to pursue porn full time. Kind of jumped in during the whole like queer porn thing going on here. Um, I worked at the Kink Armory for about three years as a cam model and just kind of been pursuing BDSM kind of ever since and dipped my toe in mainstream trans porn for a minute. It was a lot. And yeah, I'm now just stoked to produce my own shit and just, you know, make BDSM because it's really what I moved out here for. Yeah, so your your uh, goal, your your primary focus is more on the um, the BDSM side of things, for sure. Yeah, and with what you produce yourself, it tends to be more fetish oriented. Like, not not a hundred percent of the time. I know we made some sort of just kinky sex tape stuff, but. Well, yeah. I shouldn't say kinky. <laughs> I mean, it was like kind of. I, I guess there was an meant, element like, to sexy. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think like so much when I first got into this industry, I got like pushed into the whole like TS porn world, even though yeah. like the people who I was inspired by were people like Stoya and Sasha Gray and like what you did like with Belladonna for Strap Dykes. Like that was one of my favorite pornos. I was like, this is amazing. This is actual mm -hmm. like people who I want to see fucking in lesbian scenes and it not being some like super soft core boring thing. And like yes. seeing that reflection in mainstream porn for me was like, oh, shit, I can do this. And then when I got here, everyone was like, don't you want to be on shemail.com or whatever? And I'm like, no, <laughs> not really. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, well, I, that's, you know, that's definitely something I want to talk to you about. Yeah. So this is just a perfect little segue. So you, you came into the porn world. You came out to California. Yes. Yeah. I'm from Michigan. You yeah. Yes, from Michigan. And you were like, you were like, well, I want to be sort of making this type of porn that I'm seeing with mm -hmm. like uh, women 
just really going for it. For sure. <laughs> Not necessarily so soft and like, oh, here's how you like play with a clit lightly. Yeah. You know, versus like <laughs> I was like, how long is it gonna be until I start shooting gangbangs? Like that's how I came out here. Yes. Like that was my attitude of like, I'm not coming out here to do boring porn. I want to do really extreme shit. But yeah. like still be vocal about being like, hey, don't call trans women slurs. Don't do offensive yes. ass shit. So yes. I think that's why like Sasha Gray was like a really big person for me because I was like, oh shit you spoke out against shit and like when I first heard about her it was from one of my favorite bands semi-precious weapons and I was like oh she's gonna be like this super soft core porn performer and then I was mm. like whoa that's gangbangs yeah. and shit I love that yeah. stuff but I never yeah. felt like I could do that while having a voice you know yeah totally and and so so that was the thing is just that like so from my perspective having you know I've been in for a while mm -hmm. and I've been on my own uh, you know, you don't arrive in this world understanding everything. And so for me, you know, I, like the past 15 ish years, I've been on my own sort of journey with like understanding transness. And, um, and so, you know, when those words, when those slurs like were first kind of like coming into my consciousness at all, and maybe like early 2000s, yeah, I was just like, oh, okay, these are just terms we use to refer to trans people, for I sure. guess. And then it was really you, it was you that shined a light on this. I mean, it was you <laughs> that shined a light on like what, that these are harmful slurs, that these are hurtful terms. And, um, and I think that just the fact that they're so, they were being used with such everywhere, everywhere. Um, and it, it was, it's these very dehumanizing even if the terms themselves weren't, it's like the way that they're used. Yeah. Was. Um, and so to me too, I thought it was like what the, the bravery that you had, like the courage um, to go on to, and you know, Twitter's a different place now. Yeah. Than it it's was back not then. what it was because when I first uh -uh. joined in the industry, you had to have a Twitter and that's how you got cast. That's how you networked everything. And yes. now it's completely unusable. <laughs> Yeah, I mean now it's just uh, it's just trash. Um, you say a th one thing and then like no one's willing to listen, or it's just yeah. like the arg the arguments are so they're pointless, and like everyone kind of sees that at this point, you know. This, yeah, everyone's you know? just like mean to strangers online. Yeah, for no reason, yeah. and you're just like no one's really getting anything out of this. Yeah, but but so at the time still it was like I mean you made the difference, and now the trans porn that's made at that time. Um, was full of all these slurs and like now these companies they won't even use those slurs yeah, anymore everyone changed. and then and then like now it's mainstream yeah um so i'm interested in like your take of you know like how you felt for when you first were taking a stand like how that felt for you and um you know to see the change yeah. happen i think i was really naive going into it being from a really small town i'm from a city um, named holland which is only about thirty thousand people it's like a mini Netherlands in the middle of the Midwest. Oh my God, I love that. Okay, oh, have so you been there? My... No, no, but I'm oh, going. Oh, you were really that's close though. You were really yeah, close Yeah, I am though. now. Yeah, um, yeah, it's like two hours <laughs> north of Chicago. So it's like on the water. Oh, yeah. So you just go up. There's a tulip festival there. It's cool if you want to see like all the Dutch shit. Like our entire, yes! our entire economy relies on a tulip festival. <laughs> we have yes. windmills and all that shit. So oh gosh, like, I think my understanding of 
oh, I can raise an issue and people will like reasonably listen to you because I'm from a small city. And that's not how it was. Like all these companies had millions <laughs> upon millions of dollars invested into this shit. And there's like, yeah, what people are literally being like, you're going to destroy porn. Porn is going to be over because of you. People told me that what? shit. What? And I'm like, I don't think it's going to be. And they're like, if we can't call trans women female, no one will watch trans porn ever again. <laughs> wow. Just like, I don't think that's the case. So, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I just wasn't prepared for it. I started, like, the whole petition to remove slurs when I was on I was on a JetBlue flight and I couldn't fall asleep. <laughs> just like, maybe yeah. I should just do this right now. So I did it. And then it just, like, kind of blew the fuck up. So I think for me, I was like, I was saying all this shit when I was a cam girl in Michigan. So no one cared about it until I became relevant in mainstream trans porn. Hmm. So that's when everyone freaked the fuck out about it. Now, was this before or after you moved to California? It was right after I moved here. It was probably like three months after I moved here. And then do you think that, like, for example, when you participated, when you say mainstream porn, you know, when you participated in, like, some Nika Noel productions, like, do, is that what you mean? Well, no, it was a little bit before Nika because okay. so I did all that shit and then Nika was like, I like what you're doing. Like, you're yeah. actually taking a stand for shit and you're, yeah. like, being genuine. So before that, I, like, shot for, like, Ruby and shit, which... Yeah not a great experience so they like made me fake all my orgasms and fake come everywhere and i'm just like i'm not in porn to do fake things yeah like when i got into porn i'm like i want to do extreme things i want to really push myself as a performer right so i think it was after i started doing that and i got really just pushed into the ts porn world because they just were like oh well you're a trans woman who's doing porn you have to be part of our world even though yeah. my whole rest of my life was in queer porn and shooting for trouble films mm-hmm. and we were making fucking mystic at the time I yeah. was looking for crash pad and working at the armory five six days a week yes so it's just like a really um i think they just like viewed me as like oh you're just another trans porn girl right they were like where else where else can we put you what else can we do with you besides yeah. put you in this and i feel like you know, so let me just say my uh, what it looks like from the outside and you tell me. Yeah. But, you know, you are one of those type you are a trans performer who is like does not identify with your cock in this, you know, in that way as far as using it. Yeah. Like, I mean, like I can, I can squirt. It's cool and all. But like, yeah. I don't really get off like topping people in my junk. It's like, yeah, hella sensitive. So it's just not really how I have sex. Right. And with. And with like uh, Crash Pad and Trouble Films and even Kink in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. like at least what you were doing at Kink, you can you can have sex with your body the way that you have sex with your body yeah. and not feel like forced that it ha- – you know, you work for a company like Groovy or some of the – you know, even these days is where everything's more accepted, but even still like with mainstream yeah, trans, some- like I've done mainstream trans movies and it's like, nope, the, she's got to get hard and she has to penetrate you and yeah, that has to happen. Basically. And I think – yeah, and that's like really frustrating. Um, and and I, I hope that we're going to move beyond that at some point. I mean, but, I think it's yeah, better now, but like – Back in the day, girls would just strip, go off hormones and like go through yeah. massive endocrine problems and risk their whole endocrine system collapsing for porn gigs. 
Right. And that was encouraged. And it's just like, or like directors being like, oh, just take this pill. You'll get yeah. hard. It's fine. And not tell you what it is. And then, wow. you know, you can have something later on in the day and it reacts badly, which happened to yeah. me before. And then, you know, I had a really bad experience with a really bad drug reaction. So I think it's like a lot better now, but I think it's just giving trans women options and agency. I think like particularly this last year, I've interviewed for like a lot of BDSM studios that I Mm -hmm. could have interviewed for maybe five years ago. And just like how flipped is where it's like, what do you want to do? Because they're going to treat you like how they treat the cis women who go through where they're like, what's your fantasy? How can we fulfill this? where especially back in the day in trans porn was like you need to do this this or this this or we can't cast you and you're not going to be a porn star and like all this kind of gatekeeping behavior yes and very restrictive Mm -hmm. and i mean i I, what i like to see is that the this shift is happening so much like you said that yes with trans performers but also with all performers Mm -hmm. being like now with everyone is so cautious isn't quite the right word um it's like we've all been made aware that we shouldn't be trying to coerce people into doing things for real and like even just like talking about performer mental health like yes six years ago at avn if someone went on stage and was like performer mental health people would like be like what what the fuck are you talking about where now if you go to award shows or conventions it's like such a topic and i even think just part of it yeah, even how porn is viewed, like people go on stage and talk about porn as art at award shows now. That was not yeah. happening eight years ago. If someone would have done yeah. that, they would have been laughed at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just so different how much this industry has changed in the last 10 years of being in here. It was so, I was talking to Courtney about yesterday. I'm like, everyone was so mean in porn 10 years ago. Yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> mean. And then also it was. So, I mean, even 10 years ago, I mean, I think we started getting a lot of female directors in the like mid to late 2000s, which was cool to see. And then a lot of small uh, indie producers coming out like me and you and and Courtney's been around for a long time. But yeah. And then so so from there, it's kind of like we were we you know we're concerned all with each other in our community mm-hmm. but then you have the more mainstream and it was a lot of male directors and it was yeah. like everything has to be this way you have to have this 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 and this in a scene for us to be able to sell it and it was and stuff very like formulaic that. yeah yeah and i feel that since you know i i hate to say it so P- porn hub is the thing that sort of messed up the industry for quite some time. And that's what pushed me to start making my own stuff and to start making custom videos Mm -hmm. and to learn how to do that for myself. And then, so that's the silver lining of that for me and a lot of other people like me, but then OnlyFans came. And so as problematic and troublesome as it can be, it really showed performers that anyone can be the producer. Anyone can be the creator. You have your phone in your pocket, you can be the one making it. I think the technology is a big thing. Yeah, the technology of that, but also just the fact of that being like, anyone can do this then, and then models started doing it and realizing like, I don't even have to go to a porn set to make whatever, like $800, $1,000 on a porn set and be treated however they are going to be treating me. Yeah. I can stay home and make more money than that myself so now it's like the the 
the way that performers are treated on set, the standard, the bar has been fucking raised. Because when I first got in the industry, it was like, I need that money. I need that gig. This is how I'm paying my bills. So I have to say yes to everything. And, you know, and it's not like I was saying yes to things I didn't want to do, but there were times that I did. Um, or I said yes to things that like kind of made me uncomfortable, but I was like, well, I need the money and I I need to get shot more, you know, so I'm going to do it. Um, and like those days are just over, like for people coming in now and you know, so how, how, how was that for you? That sort of that aspect. I mean, I feel that when I first moved here, it was like, I need to shoot porn to pay rent. And now it's like, well, I have all these films that get royalties and now it's, I've always cam yeah. throughout all of this. So that's always been a really core thing for me. But it's just yeah. so different now where everyone can shoot. Everyone has a place to sell porn now where, yes. especially when you started, you were still like in the era of where studios had all the power, essentially. When I yeah. joined, I would say studios probably had like 90% of the power. Yeah. And now like, I think it's really changed even what a porn director is. When you look at someone like Ricky Greenwood or Caden Cross, like they're not directing like people did 10 years ago. You have to have it be these bigger concepts now and actually view it as film. And like when people talk shit about mainstream porn who are usually have nothing to do with porn anymore. I'm like, you don't know what mainstream porn is right now. What mainstream porn is, is actually really creative and really cool and really out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it's just, I think a lot of people think mainstream porn is what you see on the front page of Pornhub. Mm -hmm. And, and that's not, that's just, that's just generic porn. Like, I don't know what else to call it, but that's usually what I end up calling. I'm like, that's just the generic stuff. And when people like queer people or um people who appreciate like more lesbian porn and stuff like that and they are just crying to the heavens like it just doesn't exist there's nothing good i'm like that's because you're popping on pornhub and you're seeing what's on the front page and that yeah. and all that is is the most popular stuff that's just like what you know random joe schmoes are jerking off to for five minutes and so that's going to get pus- pushed up to the front but it's like what's really going on in mainstream porn is like these cinematic cameras with yeah. like massive crews i mean we're talking projects that cost tens of thousands of dollars to make um cameras twenty thousand dollar cameras I-, I mean this is not this is not nothing. This is not like, what yeah, about it's just so different now. Like, yeah, that's why I think is the most exciting thing about where porn is right now, where it's like, yeah, it's not just people fucking on camera anymore. And I think it's no. almost like, uh, I don't want to get too fired up, but I feel like it's almost like a return <laughs> to the golden age of porn, though, because it's going mm-hmm. back to this whole different thing now, which yeah. I feel like it kind of went away from for a very long time. Yeah, totally. Because, you know, again, like capitalism destroys art. Mm -hmm. um, And it's just like, let's make the most generic stuff so we can make the most of it Mm -hmm. and pump it out there the most. And then like the cheaper and easier it is to produce, like the faster we get the return on our investment or whatever. Yep. And, you know, that that's that's everything. (laughs) That's movies, that's TV shows. But with porn, it's the same thing. Like we used to see, or not me, but porn used to be in movie theaters. It was a thing you had to go and do. Yeah. And just like as time has gone on, it's gotten just like sort of it's hard to hold on to the artistry. But if you're looking so nowadays, if you're looking in the right places and that's kind of what I was getting around to is like, yes, these things exist and they're valuable. But like you do have to spend money on it. Yeah. If you want to watch it, you have to pay to get the good stuff and you have to 
search for what you're looking for. And like, as I guarantee you, there is great lesbian porn out there being made that lesbians and women will enjoy, but you have to find it and you have to spend a little bit of money. Like it's yeah. not even that much, you know, No, it's really like not 10, 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just about finding like the right porn. And like, also I think being a performer myself, I'm always wanting to explore more things because I'm like, it's like being any kind of artist. You need to keep consuming some amount of content to be like, okay, this is the shit that's inspiring me. And I feel like a yes. lot of people, particularly in porn, get into this mindset of like, oh, I've done this. I know now. And yeah. are like, I don't have to learn anything from anyone. And I follow like some trans people and queer people on social media who are into way harder kinks than me just because I'm like, I want to be exposed to this shit. Even if I'm not into it, I'm like that there's two people in Michigan I can name on the top of my like head who are doing more extreme BDSM than me back home, yeah. you know, yeah, in Michigan even. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Well, and that's another thing. That's another thing that's cool, too, is like now, you know, back when I started and for a very long time, I had to live adjacent to Los Angeles, you know, yeah. and then and more, more recently Vegas and or you could also live in Miami and have a career. But other than that, like, that's it. That's where you have to be or maybe yeah. Budapest. But now, again, like everyone anywhere. And so that's why I felt, you know, empowered that I could move to the Midwest and like still do my thing and still find collaborators because there's just they're everywhere. Yeah. I mean, Um, truly, like just the growing scene in Chicago is crazy. Like I just talked to someone on my podcast a few weeks ago and they were just like, oh, yeah, I moved to Chicago and now there's everyone making BDSM porn here. And it's just like, oh, awesome. Great. (laughs) Like, it's just really everywhere. Or like, oh, I had Siri on and they're in Louisville and doing an entire porn career out of there. Or Ella Darling in Texas. And it's just like, you can really make a career anywhere now. And it's just such a cool thing. So we are going to have to talk a little bit about who you know in Chicago. (laughs) For sure. Actively collecting people. Um, But yeah, so... Okay, well, I don't want to get too far away without uh, asking you the question that I like to ask everybody. When was the first time in your life that you discovered that porn was a thing? Like sexual entertainment? Like, did you stumble on a magazine or what did it look like? Okay, so I dated the same girl from seventh grade until I think junior year. And their family was, like, hella accepting. I came out to them, I think, when I was, like, 12 or 13, like, hella young. So their family was, like, very open with sexual stuff. And my girlfriend showed me a porn site. And I was, like, so overwhelmed. I'm, like, there's, like, so many penises everywhere. I don't like this. (laughs) This is overwhelming. But, like, I wasn't really that interested in porn. Like, I had some friends who had some trans porn. Maybe it was, like, a friend's older brother who had trans porn when I was, like, maybe, like, 10 or 11. And, like, no one was being transphobic about it. Everyone was just like, yeah, that girl's really hot and she has a dick. And I was just like, I don't know how this girl has a dick. I don't know what's going on. I didn't know yeah. about any of that stuff yet. Yeah. But I was just like, oh, wow, there's just some girls who are really hot who have dicks, I guess. That was, like, my fo- first exposure to trans porn. But actually, like, watching porn, I didn't watch porn for the first time until I was, like, 18. I didn't masturbate for the first time until I was 18. <gasps> oh, my God. I know. I just like didn't. I don't know. I just didn't really have that much of an interest, I guess. And I think like part of it was like seeing stuff I identified with. Like, yeah, I had like different kinds of sex with my partners at the time through like high school. But like Mm -hmm. 
it wasn't really anything like on my own that I ever wanted to do. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, that's, so when I, yeah, I can relate to that in some ways. When, when I was younger, I was, I was like exploring my body a lot and touching myself and whatnot. But, you know, in the past 25 years, <clears throat> maybe even mm -hmm. more, it, I also, I don't really, I do, I play with myself alone very rarely. Mm. <laughs> Only like once every few months, to be honest, because I, I just prefer that interaction with another person. It's the same thing with scenes. Mm. <laughs> like I do solo scenes when people, you know, order a custom or they want it or I'm getting paid like and I try to make it as interesting as I possibly can. But my preference is always to be with a partner. It's yeah. just so much more dynamic and interesting. Especially um, for porn. Like I didn't get into porn yeah. too. <laughs> masturbate <laughs> like yeah i want to like live out the shit that i can't really do in the real world and that's why i love about bdsm yeah. so much is you can do something like a gangbang or a public disgrace scene that in real life would be extremely possible it'd be extremely dangerous it would be dangerous. extremely like you don't know these people but totally. in real life in porn you can be like oh these are all professionals and i've worked with yes. these people three times i know this person and like it's I think such that's a the best great part. It's such a safe space mm -hmm. to explore fantasies and things that you want to try. But yeah, so hard to put together in your life. I mean, gosh, could you imagine like if you didn't have any involvement, you didn't know any porn people and it's like, okay, but I really want to experience a gangbang. Like you so have to hard. Vet so many people, you have to have friends and then you maybe you don't want to fuck your friends. So you're like, do you know people that I don't know? But also they all have to be tested and like, yeah, they all have to be respectful and like understand my boundaries and like, yeah, and shit. like that's so much that's just like with professionals, like we just like you can assume that there's going to be a level of professionalism. Sure. You and you get to, to make art out of it, like especially with like scary totally. BDSM things like I'm terrified of electricity yes. and I did an electricity Same. scene. You and I did. like, yeah, yeah, I like hella cried in the scene. And after I'm like, I'm yeah. glad I have that on footage because if I did that in my own life, I would be like, yeah. well, I did that scene and it's done with. But now it's like, oh, yeah. now we it can be on a movie. It. Yeah. Yes. So I think that's like the best thing about that. And also, like, even in my real life, I for a while was like, OK, I need to find a dom. I need to find all this stuff to make all this stuff happen in reality. Right. When I'm like, you can just channel this all into your work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So at which point did you feel that you understood that you wanted to engage with this type of sex work? Um, like BDSM specifically or? Mm, no, just like performing on camera. Because like be doing BDSM is something that you can explore in your personal life without having to yeah. be on camera. But like it's a big step to be like, I'm going to do this and put it out there for the whole world to see. Like, I mean, I was like thinking about it for a little while, right? Like when I first masturbated to porn on a porn site right after I was like, how do I how do I sign up? <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. Um so I graduated during the Great Recession in Michigan. So unemployment was like twenty percent or something. So yeah. also being trans during that, I had no I had no prior job experience. I just graduated high school. I was um I went to like a semester of community college, just wasn't really my thing. Same. And I was yeah. trying to like be like, okay, so what should I do? Like, <clears throat> I was yeah. booking concerts at the time and I was in bands. So I was like making some money with that. But eventually I was just like, I need to have more sustainable income. And I was thinking about camming for a while. And my partner at the time was like, let's do it together. 
and yeah it was like definitely a money thing for sure like yeah i think once i discovered more porn it like i'm like oh shit this can be a real creative process and all this but um yeah i think it's definitely was like a way out of um poverty and stuff i grew up um my family was pretty poor um my dad was homeless my mom was like on food stamps so it was like definitely a way to be like okay I can actually get out of this whole situation and obviously it's taken me a lot further than I started I mean I never yeah. thought I would like just creatively before I started doing porn my whole like goals were like maybe I can play a show in Chicago someday that was like my highest level wow so obviously all of this has been fucking crazy yeah so uh but then did you find you know you got into it as sort of like a a route out of poverty yeah but it seems like obviously it became much more than that for you yeah i mean i never expected to move out to california i just had one crash pad shoot and like a mainstream groovy shoot and i was like okay i went back home and then i came out here for pride and i shot um, a dyke march scene with maxine holloway and i was just like holy fuck that was such a great experience Yes. And then I met Miss Berlin at Kink and they signed me up for Kink Live. I was camping at home, but yeah. my rent was only, I was living in downtown Grand Rapids and my rent was only like 150 bucks a month. Shut up. So there was nights on <laughs> Kink Live where I'd make straight up like $300. So it was yeah. like over two months I was like, I have $1,000 saved plus I have first and last month's rent for moving to the Bay. Wow. And yeah, so I moved to Oakland and yeah, I was doing like four or five days a week at the armory, which was a very bizarre experience to be working like a nine to five porn job after just working in your bedroom for three years on a college campus. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, just some really crazy shit to like go into that. And it's kind of been the last 10 years of my life, I feel like. Yeah, but now, um, now, I mean, it's like you... from from what I can tell, what it looks like to me is that you have taken this on as like not only a, a great way to make a living, but also as this artistic expression for, sure. for you. Not and not even just art art, like the the BDSM expression for you. That's like sort of, you know, vital to your being. Yeah. I think Is that okay both. to say? Yeah, I think it's definitely both. I think being able to express these like to do these things and have this different performance, I think is just really important to me, you know, like even just like the public disgrace style scene I shot, like just to see a trans woman body in that scene, like that shit doesn't exist anywhere. And just like me, like watching, I'm like, holy fuck, this exists now. I know. And that's like the porn that really spoke to me. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I first saw that shit when I was like 19, I was just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I'm I, I'm. This is something I like to always say is like I like to make the porn be the porn I want to see in the world, you know. Yeah. You know, to to take that quote from Gandhi about being the change you want to see in the world. It's like with this industry, it's like you know what we can make the porn that we want to see, and th- that you have just done that. That's just like what you came and did. I mean, I was always doing it. It was just finding like yeah. other people who got it. He's like yes. corny and um. 
Mm -hmm. Ava reached out to me like we were hanging out I think like three weeks after me moving here and they're like let's make a movie yeah and came up with all the fucking mystics so I think being from like a DIY mindset and like I was booking shows still I think up until like the April that I moved out here so it was like definitely doing DIY art was always kind of a big thing for me so yeah. I was always going to be making this shit whether anyone cared or not, honestly. Yes, yes. And then it's just like finding that audience and, and it's it's so amazing. And of course, so you and I both make movies for um, what we distribute under Trouble yeah. Films banner. So, mm-hmm. And Courtney likes to call it. We call it, it's a collective. For sure. Which I love that. So it's an art porn collective. That's what we, that's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> and then really... it's just like we're just making what we like to make. And then putting it out there and hoping that people that the people who want to see that are finding it. Um, and, you know, I found that they that they are, uh, but they always could be more. So troublefilms.com. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Go there. There's so much of our porn there. There's so much stuff. And it's 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 just all through a queer lens. So it doesn't matter like what you you are, what you identify as. But if you appreciate that sort of. Like, I don't want to say amateur because we're obviously not amateurs, we're professionals, but it's kind of that just we're not fulfilling a prescription of what a porn scene needs to be. Yeah. It's that real, it's that reality porn almost of just like, here's two people or five or eight who just like wanted to get together and make this awesome scene with like a concept around it. And you're seeing like genuine reactions and genuine passion. And like, I think that's important and i think there's so many i know so many people who almost like have a desire to consume porn but they're just not seeing what they want to be seeing and it's like this is this is where you can find that you know yeah i think it's just like with the porn on trouble films and like maybe other queer porn and why i really like particularly lesbian bdsm is it's all like porn is a performance right it's a performance, sure. but also, yeah. especially in like a BDSM scene, there's a moment where it becomes very real. Where it after, can be both at the same time. But like, I feel like porn is almost like this hyper organized version of sex where you're planning something yeah. four months ahead. People don't plan sex four bit, months yeah. ahead. You know what I mean? You don't. <laughs> yes. It's almost like, um, or like fighting, like where boxers or MMA fighters are like, I'm going to fight this person in three months. Yes. And all this planning and everything you're doing is going into that where you're getting your nails right. done. That's for this. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting yeah. your hair done. You're doing anal training, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there's that moment in the scene after it's rolling or you get hit like a little bit harder than you were expecting where it becomes wow. very real. Yeah. And yeah. that's the shit that really draws me in about particularly lesbian BDSM. Because yeah. there's always that moment in it where I think with some other forms of porn, there might be more performance to it. Or acting. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Which that's kind of like what I feel like for me makes BDSM porn specifically special because it becomes very real yeah. at, at one yeah. moment. You can't – there's a certain point where it's like you can't deny that that was like, who you got me. That girl still <laughs> has you tied up and you're still getting hit in your tits. Like yeah. there's – even though it's acting. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, people always say that to me, too. They're like, wow, your scenes are so real. You're a really good actress. And I'm <laughs> and I'm like, that's not that's not really 
that doesn't that's not right though <laughs> you I know feel like saying? it's always like the first few minutes of a scene is acting and then it starts to yes and and even still so like I there are some things where uh let's just say like in the non-BDSM you know you're aware that there's a camera there and you're aware that people are watching this for entertainment but I don't feel like I'm acting when I'm like kissing a girl or you know <laughs> playing like sucking on titties like I'm into that I'm really into that so like that's not acting for me you know yeah um so it's just like it's this weird like there's not a line drawn where it's like on this side it's acting and on this side it's genuine it's just that like like I'm aware that it's a performance but at the same time I'm I'm just letting myself enjoy what I'm doing um but I see I know where the camera is and I might enjoy what I'm doing angled towards the camera a little bit. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, like, I feel like um, I talked about this on Out Sports before. I'm like, I feel like it's equally like being a pro wrestler because some of it's very like you're trying to make your partner look like the best at what they do in the world. You want to make them look like they're the best at fucking. So there's like some aspect of not being entirely real. But then there's also like the aspect of like figure skating where you have to make it look effortless and it has right. to like... Or even um, with wrestling, it's not entirely real, but it still looks amazing that they're really doing these acrobatic things. You know? Yeah. And then I think there's a part where it's almost like MMA because it is very real where you're seeing someone yeah. getting fucked right there and they had right. to be able to be prepared to do that on camera, yeah, which is not an, an easy audience. thing to do. No. It, like I think there's just so many levels to it and that's why totally. I always go back to like we're this weird hybrid of like athletes and artists in one absolutely yes, yeah that's it's, it yeah <laughs> it's very hard I think to sometimes get a grasp of because it feels so opposite ideas in some ways yeah but I, I love it. I mean it's I oh it's really comparing us to like professional sports players and stuff like that it makes a lot of sense mm-hmm um so i want to go back real quickly and i want to talk a little bit about like your identity yeah if that's okay so was there well first of all how do you identify sexually um i just identify as queer i think most of my like i honestly only really date women i dated one trans guy once Mm -hmm. And then I literally like had to be like, you need to leave my house. I'm hooking up with this girl tonight. She's really hot. <laughs> I was in college. So I think I'm a lesbian. Um, but like so much of my sexuality is around like BDSM and stuff where even if it I'm like doing be. a straight scene, I'm still thinking about like some humiliation thing in my head. Yeah. Or like some <laughs> like vanilla scene. But like, yeah. I think I'm open to men in a BDSM context, but. Even that, I'm like, maybe, but I think it's just more being into BDSM than anything. Yeah. Yeah, I was curious, like, if you have uh, sexual attraction towards cis men at all. Mm. Like, there's some men who I'm like, they're objectively attractive, but, like, I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> like, I don't, like, I don't, like, I don't want to, I don't, I definitely don't want to, like, really talk to cis men. Yeah. Like, your husband's one of the few cis men I, like, I know, like, I can count them on my hands, basically, where I'm, like, cis yeah. men who have been in my house. <laughs> like, right. Maybe, yeah. like, four. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he's a very, he's a very safe 
know, yeah, and like he's and like the closest to straight of anyone of any cis man who's been to my house. So I'm like, it's all right. been gay cis men who go to my house. I'm like, you still have yeah. to talk about how men are bad though <laughs> for us to be cool. <laughs> Where I'm just like understood. Yeah. Yeah. So So you you mentioned that you didn't really um like you didn't explore your own body that much yeah. when you were growing up and young. For sure. At which point did you understand that you were a woman? Um, well, like, I always got read as a girl, like, since I was hella young, like, since I could remember. Mm-hmm. So I think at some point it's, like, kind of clicked of, like, oh, shit, probably, like, under 10, I would assume. But I didn't, yeah. like, have any words for it until probably I was like 12 or something but even that like yeah. the whole trapped in the wrong body narrative I'm like I I don't necessarily feel that yeah so I don't know um but I've kind of always looked like this and I've always had like heightened estrogen levels and so I've like always been hella small and I don't know all my features are very small so it's kind of weird like I have pretty mm-hmm. small hands feet in high school I was like a hundred pounds so oh wow yeah it wasn't until like I got on like legit hormones and shit until I started gaining weight so I don't know it's a weird kind of situation where I'm just like I don't know how much of that was from hormonal shit how much of it is from like I was on Adderall through a lot of high school so I was like Mm -hmm. hella skinny so I don't know. It's kind of always kind of been a thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I guess uh, your family is, mm-hmm. is sort of the, the next natural question yeah. is like, did they always read you as a girl from the time you were, you know, very small? Or was there like this acceptance moment that had to happen with them? Or I mean, no, my family was really... So my mom and stepdad were hella shitty until Caitlyn Jenner happened. And then they're like, whoa, that was recent. Yeah, right. And they're like, we understand now. I'm like, what the fuck? But I came out when I was like 13 years old. So, yeah. And like, obviously, all my family knew everywhere I went, they would be like staff or whatever. Always read me as a girl since I was like five years old. So I don't it's a really weird thing. Like even in school and stuff like that. Yeah, sometimes like it was always like something was up. Yeah. And so, so it was, well, I mean, you know, so a lot of people, I think they struggle with like the family will continue like using your dead name or using the wrong pronouns. And and I don't have a dead name either. So, okay. Yeah. I don't have a dead name. So, okay. (laughs) I have a very gender neutral name. So there wasn't really any of that. Both my first and last legal name are very um, uncommon, at least here. I just go by Chelsea everywhere just because it's easier. I don't have to explain the concept of my name to people. Yeah, totally. So <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's weird because there's a lot of trans experiences like that where people are like, well, your dead name. I'm like, I don't have that. Or like being like, when yeah. you were a man, I'm like, I came out when I was 12. I was watching Nickelodeon still. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. it's just like, there's a lot of experiences that I just didn't really um, identify with. And I think that's also yeah. like part of the reason why my generation of trans performers i think were more accepted because everyone kind of figured their shit out when they were a teen yeah so like aubrey kate or bailey J, or like mm-hmm. most people i know who are in porn as trans women 
you know, most of us yeah. figured out very early where I feel like when I first got into this industry, there were a lot of trans women who were like, oh, I transitioned at 40 and now I'm a, a porn yeah. star, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happens a lot too. I mean, any anytime, anytime in your life when you make the realization or that you need to make that change for yourself? like I or- mean, like... Yeah, I guess when I was like 12 or 13, I guess. I just no, like, no. Um, I, oh, yeah, that, I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's. it sounds like you didn't have a lot of struggle with, with your family, at least accepting uh, you or... Kind of. It- I mean, like, my family's drama was way bigger. Like, when you have family yeah. who's, like, homeless and shit and, like, right. just really dysfunctional shit or people are in poverty... Like, yeah. I had to deal with shit from my mom and stepdad, but that was, like, after I left, honestly, because, right. yeah, I was basically on my own since 18, so, yeah, like, who really cares what they're saying? I'm paying my own rent, however I'm getting it, you know? Right, it's not like exactly, yeah. Like, um, having financial support over me or I'm having to live right. with them, so. Yeah. Um, and then with porn, I mean... Everyone in my family was pretty cool, and especially now because they're like people from where I'm from don't move to California and become successful and win awards in yeah. Hollywood and shit. So everyone's just like, "Holy fuck!" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you're winning shit, I feel like people are like very down for it. So right, it's like they can see this external validation. Yeah, for and sure. They they're like, "Well, then I I guess maybe it is okay for me to be okay with this." Yeah, I think that's <laughs> you know definitely what? the case. <laughs> I'm kind of like I, w- I wish it didn't have to be that way, but I'm I'm like how whatever it takes for you to get there yeah whatever it takes just get there please (laughs) like I mean just where I'm from like even just living in California that's success you know right so that's just like such a whole different mindset um people from Michigan don't really go to California and pursue anything (laughs) they're like (laughs) oh if you might move to the big city of Chicago like that's kind of yeah yeah so yeah, I talked to you a little bit about this, but mm-hmm. I I noticed it was several several years ago at this point. But you were you know arguing with someone on Twitter. Yes. You know people on Twitter are really great about telling us like how we're supposed to be human and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, so they were. I can't remember exactly what it went, but you you mentioned to them that you might even be intersex. Yeah. And I think I watched this documentary about intersex people, and um, I. It bothers me that there are so many who kind of pretend like that d- is not a thing that exists at all or that mm-hmm. it's such a small amount of people that it doesn't even matter. And that's so fucking dehumanizing. And when I watch this documentary and it's like it, it, the same amount of people are born intersex as are born like redheads. Yep. So that's a lot of people. That's a lot actually. of fucking people. And to, to know that they're so underrepresented that it's like people pretend like they don't even exist and i think that's a problem and um, (laughs) but i'm wondering if you uh had any sort of like genetic testing done or anything like that or like how Um, did you come to the realization that that could be part of who you are yeah um i've naturally always had really like high estrogen levels i found out and the doctor's like well obviously something's probably causing that And they're like, we can go through all these tests and try to figure all that stuff out. And I'm like, it doesn't really change anything in my life. Like, I know my body doesn't make sense. 
even as a trans woman a lot of times because I'm like I'm very short even though I'm Dutch so I should be really tall but I'm like the average height for a Dutch woman which is only five which is five six so like that doesn't add up all my feature size doesn't really add up kind of how much going on hormones have instantly got me everything essentially like yeah I just it's just like really crazy when you start to think about your body in that way and you start adding yeah. the things up. And for me, I think I first had self-doubt where I'm like, oh no, this is, has to be something else related because I was feeling dysphoric about it. But mm-hmm. just like hearing a doctor be like, well, obviously something's producing this to have it yeah. be the case. So yeah. So when you went on hormone therapy, was it even, is it like different levels because you already created so much so, estrogen yourself or crazy shit. Like? So I didn't have access to medical care until I was like, until I moved here. So like 22, something like that. Yeah. And I started yeah. doing hormones when I was a teenager mm-hmm. and I was just ordering them offline and I was getting them. Um, you can yeah. get them shipped from, I think it's Valau, which is a tiny island in the South Pacific. But I was doing that. Yes. I was getting herbal estrogen off of um, Amazon, which you still can get for like women Mm -hmm. who are going through menopause. So I was just doing it myself and just trying to feel it out. And yeah, I've never had to change my dose. I've gone to a real doctor and they're like, oh no, you're perfectly great right now. So (laughs) it's a pretty weird thing. But yeah, in general, I feel like when you've been on this shit for so long, you don't even think about it anymore. Yeah. Because I started as a teenager and now I'm 31. So it's like, yeah. I've done this for 11 years. It's just taking a fucking pill every day now. Like, it's not even yeah. a thing where I feel like it's gender affirming. It's just like, yeah. That's just part uh, of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually you stop taking them because apparently trans women go through a menopause and you purposely do that. And I'm like, okay. now I'm like, with all this legalization in this country about being trans and shit, I'm like, I only have like 10 yeah. years. I only have like 10, 20 years left. I'm fine. <laughs> So, so then like you stop- nothing's going away. Like these boobs yeah. aren't gonna disappear. <laughs> well, you're so you're just DIY about so many things. I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I feel like also as being from like a small town in the Midwest, there just wasn't that many there wasn't like that much already existing. So like I yeah. had to find found the first like trans organization in Grand Rapids at like yeah. 20 years old because there wasn't one. Yeah. So it's just like there's so many things like you just literally had to do it. Yeah. Or no one else would. Yeah. I I mean, I just I look up to you so much Aww. for all of that. That Well, you're just such you're an activist. I mean, like a legit one. Like you did that yourself. Like, I think sometimes about doing stuff like that. And I'm just like, where would I even start? Like, I don't even know. You know, and you went and you found it out and you just fucking made it happen. Like, I think that's so amazing and then again like i'll just let me just say one more time how incredible <laughs> it is that you change the fucking industry like i feel like the fact that trans um even trans lesbian porn being mainstream now like mainstream companies making it that would not have happened if it weren't for you and like the pushing that you did at the time that you did it um Thanks. so just thank you i'm just glad there's more <laughs> shit and like just like going to avn um I guess that's now fucking two months ago. That's crazy. But yeah. it was like 20% trans people there. And I'm just like, yeah. other than pride, I'm like, I haven't been to a place with this many trans people before. Yeah. Well, and th- think about the Trans Erotica Awards. Like when, when those started. Um, oh, yeah. When I don't think that wouldn't have been a thing. Oh, well, know? they changed like, it because of like, I was bitching about it. 
a yeah. bit. And then they changed it. And then I went and I had my whole Taylor Swift moment. I don't know if you're aware of that. Oh my God. Please tell the story. Oh my God. I nearly quit. I tried to quit porn that night. Oh my gosh. So what year was this? This was 2015. So okay, it was right so after I started the petition. It was like a year in. I had yes. like the most heat in the transform world. Everyone fucking hated me. I was like, some girl might try to fight me this night. Oh my god. So the person to open up the award show just unloaded on me for the first 15 minutes from on stage. I was in the front row. <laughs> just like off going off. Being like uh, How dare this anyone? Was this yeah. was a trans woman. Of course okay. it was. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Again, porn was so mean. And yeah. they like we're like going off there like, why are some people trying to change the terms? We know what we are. We're chicks with dicks and shit over like the whole PA. Wow. Just like, what the fuck? Also, I lost my phone. I left it in the Uber on the way there. So I have my phone and I'm up yeah. for five awards. So this happens. I'm like completely tripping. I'm like, what the fuck yeah. is happening? How am I having mm -hmm. this moment? So then I lost five awards in a row. Right. Um, and then I tried to quit porn that night. And then Courtney yeah. was like, Hey, I hear you. I fully support you doing this. We have a shoot playing with you and Carla tomorrow. Do you still want to do that? Just want to try one more shoot. And I did it. It was a great scene. And then I didn't quit porn. Yay. But even like <laughs> the next night, like everyone was like, You need to go to the after party thing the day after. And I was like, No, I'm going to um oh I that was like the fir first and only time I went to like a real Hollywood club. Oh, it was um the Which Roosevelt. One? Um, it was okay. Peggy's and the Roosevelt, and that's like where Lindsay Lohan used to party and like Paris Hilton and shit. Yeah, I was very into that wave of um, pop culture. Mm. I was very stoked, but there were girls being like, "You need to go to the T Award after party, and I need to discuss shit with you." And like, I'm like, no. Oh my god, and that was like the last time I had anything to really do with that part of trans porn because yeah. i'm just like bad but yeah the, the really great thing is how many so that was 2015 so six years later at the same venue i won um the why not performer of the year oh, so yeah. yes i feel like i had a full circle moment with that but yeah. absolutely <laughs> that was definitely probably the worst night of my career well, I I can feel that for you. I can empathize with that for you. Like, because fuck, you were like red, <laughs> right? Like you were just sitting there like, what the fuck is this really happening? And especially because when you your intentions were like the best. Also, the I, best. I was living on a college campus like six months before. So yeah. it was like this 45-year-old trans woman just laying into me for like, yeah. I was 22. Right. <laughs> And but that's the thing with the you know talk about like the old guard you know yeah. they don't want things to change They're like this is what works for us and you know sorry but twenty years younger than you like better things can work for you too you just have to give it a chance yeah kinda. you know what I'm saying yeah um <laughs> that's so frustrating I, I'm I, I'm shocked <laughs> I feel like everyone I know knew that story so I'm. Oh yeah, no, I didn't hear it. <laughs> oh yeah, um, Ray actually, there's a like a trans porn textbook for like porn studies, and it's in there that day. <laughs> I'm like, beautiful. At least my Taylor Swift moment is in a textbook now. So yes. 
Oh my God. I love it. I love it. But so, so I mean, and since then, I, I hope it's a bit different since 2015. I mean, shit. Yeah. Like, all those I, people so, are gone. Yeah, exactly. And there's different people, you know, with their own issues, but, um, you know, I think, well, I went to the T's, uh, not, oh, did I go this past year? Maybe the year before, I don't know, time to construct, but, um, <laughs> but it, it was great to just, yeah. I mean, as a, per, as a person who heavily identifies queer to be in that space and have that celebration of queerness, that's kind of what it felt like to me and not just a celebration of queerness, but like a celebration of queerness and porn. That was um, not my experience. But yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like 2015 versus yeah. 2021 or whenever it was 22. Like people are but, nicer in porn now. Like people were just yeah. so hostile back then. And yes, I think it agree. was like because you had to only get like there's only so many jobs and stuff. Exactly, and, like, it was more competitive. Yeah, and even like tr there wasn't a trans award at Avian until 2004. Yeah. So, and then there weren't trans women on stage until 2012. So if I look yeah. at it like that, I'm like, when I came into all this, it was only nine years in where trans people were even at AVN. Yeah, like even being recognized at all. So I can yeah. understand how it's like different levels. And now there's trans people who go to AVN and they're like, I got misgendered by someone in the staff. And they're like, we need to hold these people accountable. And I'm like, back when I started porn, it was the Tranny Awards and it was sponsored yeah, by gmail.com ah, and Tranny Strokers no. and oh Tranny Wacker. It's just like yes. <laughs> such a different yes. world, which I'm like, I'm very happy that the youth are calling all this shit out because it's very necessary. Same. But I just feel so yes. fucking old now. Ten yeah, years in well. porn makes you feel so old. I feel like I'm 45, like 50, 60 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you realize you're talking to someone who's been in porn for 20 years so. i know we're i'm like anything over five years you're like wow I'm fucking wow old. i'm a grandma <laughs> right <laughs> yeah but so i i think this is just one thing that i really want to highlight because yeah something that happens to me a lot is i'll get on my OnlyFans dms or instagram dms or even on twitter and they're men and they are they're they they're like want to be supportive they're like oh where can i watch your videos where you're with a slur <laughs> you know i always take those moments and use them as teaching moments because and so that's kind of like what i want to do right now so there are just some terms that are dehumanizing and you know we don't use those terms anymore um, when you want to refer to a trans woman, that's what you say, or you say a trans person. I don't like saying the words, but Chelsea said them. <laughs> like we just don't use those terms anymore. And so if, if you are a man and you, if you're a cis man and you want to be supportive <laughs> Can you not? of trans lesbian, trans lesbianism, um, <laughs> you know, you want to partake in it, you want to consume it and watch it. Like trans lesbianism. It's really funny. <laughs> it's just, please, please don't say those those terms like you know say trans trans that's the word yeah yeah just j just don't be weird i feel like that's all this shit comes back to just don't be weird just be like that's a person <laughs> and um yeah like you're weird we would be weird like well there's different kinds of weird i guess i mean we are the weirdos mister yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
I feel like I'm very boring now. I just have an interesting job. That's how I feel. Yeah. And it is. People are fucking fascinated with this job. It's just, could you be fascinated in a curious way and not like a weird way? <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's people just like want to hear juicy things. And then when you hear about like the real like I had a memory pop up from someone who we both worked with recently and it was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to perform at 5 a.m. because someone's flight got delayed and my flight's at 8 a.m. So I have, so we have to have this entire production counting on two 24-year-olds who are super sleep deprived, you know? And like that's the bad stuff that happens in porn. It's not necessarily yeah. like people want like horror stories like, oh, my God, I was forced to do this, this or this. And that's usually not how yeah. it goes. It's just like no. shit like that where it's like, yeah, I had to perform in a really uncomfortable situation or mm -hmm. there was this chaos that happened or this chaos. And right. I think that's like the reality of porn but people want it to be way juicier and it never really totally. is because no. people are like, Oh, the sex parts, like the scarring part of porn. It's like, I don't right. know. I'm like, no. it, it could be, but like totally. all my bad memories with porn are shit. Like performing at a really bad time, having shit get canceled last minute. Like that. That's the thing when people don't show up, when you have a booking and you show up and you're there and the other person doesn't show up. Or like when I have booked someone for a custom and I'm like, so are you coming or you book trade? And then I went and paid for a test just to do that trade scene. And then they they call me an hour before and say, oh, sorry, some fake excuse that I totally know is bullshit. <laughs> those are those are the stories. Like that's what hurts me the most. <laughs> yeah, I had a forced vacation in Vegas a few weeks ago after some canceled shoots. I feel it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I was like, no, especially if you're paying your own money to get out to the shoot. Like if you have to fly somewhere, that's such a burden. Yeah. That's money. That's time. That's travel. Like, yep. Ugh. It is. I'm very, and there's some else who are in not a good financial situation where that can literally be catastrophic. And absolutely. I'm just very lucky that I'm not in that place right now because there definitely were, were times in my life where. I could not handle yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So painful. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. But awesome. Well, now, um, luckily, you're, you're thriving. You're thriving, darling. Yeah. It's going, it's going good, I think, overall. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just, you just came out with, um, with a new movie. Yeah. I released two movies this year, which is crazy. Because I Wait, you not... mean like since January? Yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. Um, I released Chelsea Summits 2, which you're in, and then I released The Dinner Party, which is my public disgrace scene. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I know. I was so disappointed I wasn't able to make it to that We're one. We're going to do a second one, so okay, there'll be an opportunity. Awesome. Let's get the timing right. Yeah. For sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I, think, I think it will happen. Yeah. I'm. It's crazy. I feel like porn's finally like coming fully back after the pandemic. Like that's what yeah. this last year has been for me. The last like three months have been super busy and also like yeah. mainstream opportunities I never really expected to come. So oh yeah, yeah. Can you talk about it at all? I mean, I didn't get it, but yeah, I um went through the audition process for an A twenty four film um two weeks ago. Wait, no, that was like a month ago now. Yeah, but um. Yeah, it was just crazy to get the opportunity as a sex worker and just um, really 
have to get into the mindset of like, oh my God, I have to talk these people into trusting me with multi-million dollars yeah. for a film and be like, you know the girl who just got banged on a table cake in her hair? You need to... <laughs> Which I'm like, I can't even be mad. I'm like, you just won a million fucking Oscars. And you yeah. just like, I understand why you didn't choose the porn girl for. But just honestly, having that opportunity, yeah. that's such a big deal. For real. Like getting to audition and like be a part of that process. Amazing. And like, I'm a huge fan of A24 movies in general, Same. but they, they also took like everything everywhere all at once, like best movie, one of the best movies of all time. Yeah. For sure. But a million um, percent. But they also do a lot of horror, and I am a huge fan of horror movies. And the the horror movies that they produce, they're not, they're all unique and like interesting. Have like either amazing um, cinematography or like intriguing stories that have lots of layers. And so that's why I'm a big fan. Yeah, it's my favorite production <laughs> so, company by far. Like, absolutely, like four out of my five favorite movies are from them. So, Hell just being yeah. able to be like, this is the hip shit I'm on right now. That I'm just like, this is great. Yes. I'm getting to shoot BDSM full time and also have these <sighs> opportunities. It's couldn't have imagined it, you know, yeah, ten years ago. But like, yes, I feel like porn stars just aren't really given these opportunities, and it seems like it's happening more. Totally. Like with Chloe Cherry, um, like. Sasha Gray back in the day, obviously, like, it's just mm -hmm. really cool that they're starting to become more openings that we're at least even getting in the room for these auditions and conversations and shit, um, which I exactly. think is so important to me that there's all this stuff. But also, I did have the moment of like, oh, my God, is this gonna be the thing that makes me like pushes me away from porn? You know, mm. because yeah. I genuinely love this industry so much and I love doing sex work and especially being Dutch. It's such part of our culture that I'm like, that I get to continuously do this shit. Yeah. It just makes me feel like honestly really complete as a person, both like it makes sense in my life to be like, you're from this weird Dutch city and then you get out of poverty through sex work. And then when I started doing shit in the Netherlands, I was like, holy fuck, this is where I'm from, this is, you know, a whole thing, so. Yeah, it's your roots. Yeah, I want to be doing porn forever. Um, Same. When I'm 70, yeah. I want to be doing porn, you know? Yep, as long as I can do it, I want to be doing it. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, would you be willing to answer a couple questions with me from some listeners? Yeah, I think so. All right, so question one. Hi, Sin. I've been trying to explore my own sexuality by myself. Do you have any advice on things I should try to better know myself and my desires and kinks? Uh, that's from A. Okay, so that's a great question yeah. for you to answer because it sounds like you kind of somehow discovered all this about yourself. Yeah, watch a bunch of different kinds of porn. Like discover <laughs> weird fetishes that maybe you don't want um, or like you don't know that you're into. I think a big part of sexuality is like discovering the parts that maybe you don't even want to admit you're into. So right. I think like really just going down that wormhole and really trying to figure it out. I think particularly in porn, we have to have a very working knowledge of our sexuality where especially yeah. like I squirt really hard and I feel like that's just kind of become part of my performance now where I need to ex access all parts of my sexuality kind of on any given moment, whether it's a scene at 5am where I'm super tired 
and I feel like I can't perform or there's just all these difficulties or whether it's just a regular scene, like I think just having a working knowledge of your sexuality is so important. And I feel like it's something most people outside of this industry don't have. So I would just say like keep exploring all sorts of things that you might not even know you're into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like so uh, seeking out fetishy porn. Yeah, if that's your thing or if you're into other stuff. Mm-hmm. Just like honestly, just dive into whatever you are yeah. interested in. Because, yeah, I think they didn't even necessarily see. Yeah, m- myself, my desires, I'm a kink. So, yeah, not even necessarily like fetishy, um, but it is just like watch various different things. Also, I think because I have an idea of who this person is. Um, <laughs> That, you know, reading erotica, I think like that we have so much visual media now um, and it's just like, we've got to find those videos, but there's uh, people on the internet write erotic literature. So short mm-hmm. stories for you to get off to. Um, there's a site called Dipsy that is erotic audio. So they have, which I'm going to audition for, by the way, um, yeah. as, soon as, I get my, as soon as I get myself set up more um, with like a little recording studio space here, but so that it's like people, it's actors playing out a story mm-hmm. for you to listen to. So you don't even have to watch um, or, you know, you can watch porn if you want to, but I'm just saying there are options out there. And um, I think like, like imagining like lying on your bed, wearing headphones closing your eyes and listening to a story and then exploring your body that way. Like that sounds hot. (laughs) Yeah. I also think it's like important to be like, Hey, I might kind of be into this. Like Mm -hmm. for me, there's like all these different fetishes I'm like vaguely into, but like regular ass lesbian BDSM. That's like how I really come hard. You know what I mean? Like there's other things where I'm like, Oh, age plays. All right. Like it's fine. Mm -hmm. I'm like kind of into it, but like it's okay to be sort of into some things and then really figuring out mm-hmm. what your main thing is and just kind of like having a real understanding of it. I think it's really important. And it's also going to fluctuate. Yeah. You might be, be into something else for a while or you might be into something. Like yeah, I totally. watch Pony Girl, pl- Pony Girl porn like twice a year. I don't know why. I think it's always like around the Kentucky Derby where I'm like, oh, maybe I am into this fetish. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So like exploring the the stuff that you get yourself into mm-hmm. to see if it resonates with you. Um, and even things that you like, I don't even know if I would like this, but try it. Yeah. And see, you know, if it doesn't, then it doesn't. But like you said, too, it's like we change on our little, our spectrum of sexuality just changes all the time throughout the years Mm -hmm. like really into one thing for a while and then like not really into that for a while and then maybe it comes back later and that's so many things with regards to being a person i guess (laughs) yeah i think it's just exploring and not really having judgment about it yes not having judgment about it not judging yourself about it and that's Mm -hmm. huge with everything All right, cool. All right, we will uh, we'll do one more question. Great. Hello, Sin. There's this girl who I was talking to recently. We seem to be having a lot of fun. She'd want me to go somewhere with her, sometimes with her friends, sometimes alone. We would do work together alone at her place. We'd eat together. We'd talk about books. We've been doing this for a month, and I finally asked her if we're just friends. She said she is currently seeing someone and that she wanted to tell me earlier, but she didn't have a chance to. 
She said that she still wants to be friends, but I politely declined. I said that I like her too much and it would be torture for us to be friends while I feel the way I do at this time. She said, okay, and that's it. But she still texts me every day. <laughs> it's really messing with my emotions. Is there a way I can politely tell her that I need some space? I'm sure over time I will be emotionally ready to be friends with her, but I need a little time to myself to work that out, you know? That is obviously from a lesbian, correct? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, like, you know, I, I definitely appreciate when people tell me like what their gender identity is in the question. This person did not. So. I, but... That, but it sounds that, like a that sounds lesbian. like a lesbian problem. Um, damn. Yeah, that's very difficult. I yeah, dating's so fucking hard. I yeah. I legitimately feel I never want like I'm engaged and Yay. we're like mostly monogamous. But like even apart from that, I'm like I don't think I'd ever date anyone ever again. It's so stressful and so hard, especially lesbian oh, dating. These like. You can be like, oh, yeah, they live at my house right now. I don't know if we're real, though. Like, <laughs> lesbian relationships can be so much like that. Be like, we tell each other we love you, but, like, are we really dating? <laughs> yeah. Just, that's really hard. Well, and there's th well, with dating, like, so I only did it a very brief amount of time. But what I noticed in that very, very short amount of time was that, like, people play games. Like, it, they just you know, present themselves like what they think the person wants them to be so that they like them or whatever. And that's just like, that doesn't work long term. Like you can't do that. Yeah. Like the only way to date is to just be you a hundred percent. And then you'll find the person who likes that. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you're pretending to be something else, like it's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm like not telling this person to ghost, but like also if you just need space, just like Maybe don't see that's not a good answer. I'm encouraging bad behavior. <laughs> well, yeah, don't. I would say there, oh, this was what well, my advice would be a little bit here is like, um, you basically already set your boundary with this person. You said to them, I. I would love to, you know, you politely declined being their friend. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure if when you did that, if you gave the reason as to why, but maybe to this person like they aren't understanding what your reason is of why you asked to to that why you said you didn't want to be friends right now so for me like if it was me and i was in your position i would write a text message and i would say you know i'd be very polite again and i would say very clearly listen these are my boundaries with you you are in a relationship I am romantically and sexually attracted to you. That is what I want from like a friendship with you. And you've made it clear that I can't have that right now. That's too much for me. So I'm asking you to please stop contacting me. And like, if a time comes in the future where I have been able to process this and get over it and through it, like maybe down the line, we can actually be just friends. But as of right now, it's too raw and sensitive for me. So I'm going to ask you to please cut the communication until a future date. Please, that's the boundary I'm setting with you. Can you please respect it? You know, it's just there are these situations where like the only answer literally is to be direct. upfront, yeah. direct and communicative. Like you have to say the words, you have to use your words in a clear and direct way. Then hopefully this person would like get the hint, or, which is not even a hint at that point, like you told them. <laughs> but 
hopefully at that point they can respect that boundary. After that, if they were to still continue trying to text with you, that's when you just block their number because you put, you laid it down, you put your foot down and you said, this is what I need right now. And they continue to disrespect that and not, not respect that boundary of yours. So in that case, even they would just be showing that they're not even relationship material really, because they don't understand that, you know? Wow. So. You, you gave such a good like therapist answer too. Damn. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I wouldn't respond to that. Just don't make eye contact <laughs> with them. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's a big thing is like being non-confrontational. Yeah. None of us want con- confrontation. For sure. But then that's how you have all these like mixed up emotions and all these like sitcom style misunderstandings where it's like if the people would have just said the thing they meant, we wouldn't have half an hour of show. Yeah, you, know you really just need to be direct and not yeah. do that. But dating is fucking hard. Also, like lesbian yeah. dating is really hard because there's so much gray area where you're like, I'm spending every day with this person. And we're holding hands, but we're, there's yeah. nothing there or something yeah. weird like that. Um, also, like if you're from a smaller community, like where I'm from, I have to be friends with all my exes because there's only like 30 lesbians. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, I don't have room in Michigan to have enemies who are my exes. In the Bay, it's fine. Right. If I have an ex in New York, oh, well, there's 24 million people yeah. there. It doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but still, you got to be direct. Yeah, that's how you should be. <laughs> got to do it. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for helping me answer those questions. Of course. And I'm just such a fan. So Likewise. I, please, please tell everyone where they can find your stuff. Yeah, I have a website, ChelseaSimmons.com. It's all my BDSM work. The Performers Pod is on Spotify, Apple Podcast. All the other ones, I'm also on an Outsports podcast um, about college football and professional football, which is a little other way, left field. Yeah. Yeah. But you like sports. I've seen it. Yeah. I'm a huge (laughs) Michigan football fan, as you can tell here. Uh, If you're born in Michigan, you're just like born into it. Um, But... Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, um, Chelsea Poe six six six. You can find my newest party, the dinner, my newest film, the dinner party, on my website, chelseasimmons.com. and my Instagram is at fake Chelsea Poe. I think that's everything. That's all your things. I think so. Oh, I cam on Chatterbait, Treasure Cams, and Mini Vids. So you can catch me. But we there can too. find all your stuff through your website, right? Yeah, Chelsea you can find all my stuff there. Oh, I have screenings come up in Austria, Greece, and Massachusetts. So if you're in any of those areas, check it out. Yes. Go to go to her website and find out all the places to be, the things to see. Thank you so much, Chelsea. And Thank if you. anybody, and I, I really would love to hear your questions. Uh, anyone who's listening right now, please submit your questions and you might hear them on a future podcast so you can do that by emailing your questions to sin sage podcast at gmail.com and of course you spell sin with two n's as in nancy sin sage podcast at gmail.com and of course you know my website is sin-sage.com so you can find everything about me there 
And thank you so, so much for listening. Now have a wonderful rest of your night and get out there and be authentic. Bye, everyone. Bye.